Well, as the story goes, the famous Speaker of the House, Sam Rayburn, who served for four presidencies, pulls aside the new President of the United States, Harry Truman, before his inauguration. Uh, Harry, he says, before he, when, you, when you become President, uh, people are going to surround you and insulate you from anyone else's opinion and serve you and pet you and tell you how you are a great man. But don't believe him, Harry, because both you and I know it ain't the truth. It would be a great mistake to think of the heroes of the faith that we've been looking at in Hebrews 11 to be great men and women because it just ain't the truth. If there's any greatness in any of them, it's only because God made them great. And it's because of grace. And because grace is so amazing. And that's good news for all of us. Sarah, for example, as we come to her next, revealed to us in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 11 and 12. Very short reference. Hebrews 11. 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grands of sand by the seashore. Well, um, when visitors, um, so I don't know. There we go. Uh, when visitors um, came passing through Canaan and stopped by the tents of Abraham and learned his name, which means father of multitudes, they they may have congratulated him and asked just how many children he had. To which he had to sadly confess that up to his 100th year, he had none, no children at all. His very name mocked him. Uh, and his wife, Sarah, shared in the shame. She was childless. She was, she was barren. And it was a shame. In fact, it was counted uh, as a curse and a disgrace for a woman so, of so wealthy and prominent a man, especially to be uh, to have borne no children at all. And, and all the more so since uh, the Lord God had promised Abraham that one of his own descendants was going to, um, to make a, a numberless, numerous nation. Behold, said the Lord, my covenant is with you, and you shall become the father of a multitude of nations. But year after year passed, and there was nothing, no heir, no children at all. Now, things like that can really challenge our faith, um, and pretty severely. Uh, they can make us question the truth of faith and, and the very goodness of God. And childlessness can be hard to endure, uh, so hard that some cannot even bear the presence of other couples uh, with children, or, or can even attend a church where there are hordes of children running around and the young moms are always just talking about their babies. Um, unwanted singleness, homelessness, uh, or the threat of it, joblessness, poverty, moral failure, professional failure, marital failure, 
that grinds on year after year with no change, no relief. Uh, those sorts of things can really try our faith. And yes, also the faith of those who, who love us and are bystanders uh, to our sorrow. But I want you to look carefully at the text where it says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Literally, it might well read, By faith, even Sarah received the power to conceive. In fact, that is how it's rendered in the, the rock of Bible honesty, the American Standard Version, um, and the New American Standard as well. Even Sarah, it could be translated, because uh, the Bible does not present uh, Sarah as an outstanding uh, faithful servant of Christ. It was Sarah who, tired of waiting year after year for God's promise to her, faithlessly uh, takes matters in her own hands and puts her Egyptian servant Hagar into the arms of her husband to bear children for her uh, through her. Um, that was not an unknown practice in that day and age, but Sarah, I remember, had the direct promise from God that she herself would bear uh, her own son. Uh, it was Sarah's idea, it was Sarah's initiative, but Abraham, for his part, failed as well. He should never have agreed to that. And it was the cause of all kinds of family conflict and ultimately national grief. And, and then later, when uh, God visits Abraham and tells him, I will surely return about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. We read, um, this is one of the sort of little amusing things in scripture, we read that Sarah was eavesdropping behind the tent flap and, and when she heard this, she laughed in unbelief saying to herself, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? And uh, we know from the context that it was a laugh born of unbelief. In fact, some commentators have great difficulty with verse 11 and even with the inclusion of Sarah uh, in this list at all and suggest that uh, various arguments they present to translate it as a matter that moves the focus um, uh, to, to, uh, from Sarah to Abraham or even remove her name uh, from the 11th verse saying that it was a later inclusion in the text. But they missed the whole point. Sarah is not included because she was faithlessly or faultlessly faithful uh, more than Abraham was faultlessly faithful because she wasn't and nor was he. Um, Sarah is included uh, despite her stumbling faith uh, as just another evidence to you and I, a testimony of God's amazing grace and love. Uh, Sarah's stumbling faith is really of more use to us than if she were the paragon of, of religious perfection and rectitude. Uh, Sarah, in the end, did believe. Uh, in fact, uh, I think she changed her mind pretty quickly when the Lord spoke to her and reminded of her of his omnipotent power. Uh, listen to the biblical account of this in uh, in. Genesis 18. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And so Sarah laughed to herself. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it and said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But he said, no, but you did laugh. I think meaning probably that, well, Sarah did not audibly laugh. Uh, the Lord heard her laugh in her heart and gently rebukes her. Uh, Sarah heard the Lord's rebuke and changed her attitude, believed in the promise. She must have repented of her faithlessness and changed her mind at some point, for the testimony of Hebrews 11 is that even Sarah believed, the proof of which she was given power to conceive. And Sarah, uh, God gave Sarah faith. Uh, then Hebrews uh, 13 uh, verse 13 of Hebrews 11 goes on to say all of these people died in faith uh, it, and, and that's surely including Sarah who came to understand that it was God that would give her that baby boy uh, so again the purpose of Hebrews 11 is to show us uh, uh, what God does for his own glory in the lives of ordinary people like ourselves. Faith is not a work. It is a graceful, full gift of God that enables us to push, to push through our issues and reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ, to reach out and embrace a Savior who is faithful in our lives in these short and sometimes difficult times. Uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith. How are we different from Roman Catholics or liberal Protestants? What distinguishes us from Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Muslims? Uh, well, one great thing is the fact that we implicitly believe the Bible, all of it from cover to cover and nothing else besides. It's because what we read it. Hebrews uh, and Titus 3, 5 to 7. He saved us, not because of righteous deeds he's done. He saved us because of his mercy. Uh, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us generously in Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by faith, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we have this, this certain heavenly hope uh, because the Bible truth that was lost in the Dark Ages was found again in the Reformation. The so-called five solas, the five onlys for us, um, life and heaven rests upon the solid ground of these things. Uh, sola Scriptura, the Bible alone, sola fide, by faith alone, sola gratia, by grace alone, sola Christa, by Christ alone, sola uh, solely uh, gloria for God's glory alone. But you see, it's the perversity of the human heart to be never satisfied with faith alone or Christ alone or grace alone and to want to endlessly correct the scriptures or add to the scriptures and to be concerned only for our own glory and carry nothing, care nothing for the glory of God. But outside of these biblical truths, there is no life and there is no faith and no salvation and no help for heaven uh, and never will be in it. There wouldn't have been for Sarah. Uh, Hebrews 11 can speak of the faith of Abraham and Sarah because, uh, because of her unbelieving laughter and complaints were washed away by the blood of Christ. That's our hope. That when we're faced 
with faithless denial and obedient or disobedient rejection of Christ and the gospel, that there's forgiveness and mercy for us in Jesus, for all those who turn away to the, to the, and, and put their trust in Christ. Faith overcomes unbelief and shatters unbelief <coughs> at the cross. That's the great message of verse 11. Now, in verse 12, uh, the text moves on from uh, the ground to teach us that faith does great things. The ground of faith to teach us that great faith does great things uh, for God. And what is the result of Sarah's faith? Uh, Hebrews 11:12. Therefore, therefore, because of this uh, gracious gift of God and to Sarah and Abraham, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand of the seashore. This tells us that by God's grace, she who was once an obstacle to God's purposes, someone who was trying to pull off an end run around God's plan and purposes, uh, was not allowed to do so. Instead, um, the Lord was gracious, and she became, in fact, a blessed vehicle to accomplish God's purposes and decrees. Uh, the miracle in view, as the late uh, Westminster professor uh, Dr. Philip Hughes once put it, is that by faith, the faith of this one woman and this one man, of whom it was least to be expected, were born this great multitude of Israelite descendants, the physical prodigy, uh, progeny, excuse me, of, of um, Abraham and Sarah through Isaac and Jacob and the twelve sons. But the New Testament makes it plain that, th that there is a further ultimate um, fulfillment that is manifest through the spiritual descendants of Abraham, those related to Abraham by faith. Ultimately, it is Christ who is the seed of Abraham, the seed of the woman who, who, who crushed the head of the serpent, who triumphed at the cross, and, and through whom the nations are blessed. That is, uh, all those who are called out of the world and united to Christ the seed. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed or offspring and heirs according to the promise. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul in his letters to the Galatians. And that number is still growing. Uh, the body of Christ, the saved of the earth, even you and I. Faithless rebels with hearts filled with cynical laughter who by grace, uh, by faith have been saved and washed our robes made white through the blood of Christ. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you share this amazing faith of Abraham and Sarah? Are you related to them by faith? You should be. And if you do belong to Christ, then you are part of this great work that God is doing throughout the ages in his church, even here at Faith, planting new congregations. You must purpose to do that in this church. Um, sending out new missionaries, uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of God, becoming... Uh, being testimonies to God's grace and, uh, and love to our children and our friends and our neighbors, like Sarah herself. And isn't this the way that um, uh, the Lord uh, delights to work? Um, he loves to confound, uh, to confound us. He takes Sarah, the doubter, and Rahab, the prostitute, and, and Ruth, the Moabitess, 
and makes them into great women and puts them into the physical line of Messiah himself. Um, he takes what is weak and foolish and despised uh, in the world to confound and to shame the wise and the strong. Um, even the cross of Christ, which remains to this day a foolishness to the Gentiles and an offense to Jews. Hebrews 11 and 12 takes um, human hopelessness of the barren womb and makes it a picture of salvation that is all of grace and all of mercy and all of God. Um, or to say it another way, every barren woman in the Bible, Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth, the mother of Samson, and ultimately Mary herself, who conceived as a virgin, all remind us of the miraculous grace of God uh, that overcomes everything in Jesus. The rational world in which we live consigns faith to the weak and the gullible, but God always gives his people the last laugh. God tells Abraham to call his son when he's born uh, by the name of Isaac, uh, Isaac, which means laughter. Uh, Sarah laughed to herself, shaking her head in unbelief when she hears about it. But God graciously changes her heart. In faith, she conceives that infant child. And when Isaac is born uh, to this 100-year-old man and his 99-year-old wife, Sarah says, uh, Genesis 21:6, God has made laughter for me. For everyone who hears will laugh over me. Um, I understand that perfectly. I smile to myself. It, it's a reflex. Um, whenever I think, I stop and think about God's salvation of myself when I remember that day. I could never understand that until I read this text. Why is it? It's because whatever anyone may say or think about Christianity or about us, God always gives us the last laugh. Uh, you're not worthy of God's grace and love, and certainly I'm not. How then should we think of this saving faith that impels us to name Christ as Savior and live for Him as Lord and makes us friends for Him in heaven, makes us friends? How can, how can this happen now, to a proud, self-satisfied people or, or, a, or a proud, beat-down people? It's all the same. Well, you know, it's all a matter of grace. Uh, but also, somehow, it's a matter of asking. Uh, the faithless uh, will be righteously condemned along with everyone who rejects the Lord Jesus, who will never bow the knee to Christ and humbly ask for his mercy and forgiveness. But anyone who comes with an empty hand and reaches out in repentance and faith receives, becomes a son, a daughter of Abraham and Sarah, better uh, an adopted son of the living God. And they will laugh with Sarah. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that we may go in. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. O oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, 
and give him the glory great things he has done. Lord God, thank you for your grace. We, we read these stories about these Old Testament people and they, they fill our hearts with a pleasure as we recall that grace that you have also given to us. And Lord, that laughter that you gave to Sarah, Lord, you transformed into a, a greater laughter when she saw in her arms the son you had promised. Lord, bless each one this day and this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.